This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. I am Eric Cohen and pleased to be joined as always by my co-host Shane Dale. It's a big show today, Shane. We're going to talk Wildcats and the NCAA. Well, I don't think it's our favorite show that we've ever done. It's not really a happy thing, but we all kind of knew this was coming at some point. Yeah, it's going to be something we're going to talk about on and off for a while now. Uh, obviously, Arizona being hit with a notice of allegations, reportedly uh, five level one violations, four of which uh, are in regards to Arizona men's basketball and Sean Miller. Uh, so now, of course, we all wait for the other shoe to possibly drop. Arizona trying to get their case looked at by this independent council that's been set up uh, in order to avoid uh, stiffer penalties, most likely. So we'll get into that a little bit more with our guest as well. But yeah, it's something we're going to talk about on and off until... Uh, this all gets resolved one way or the other. Yeah, fun guest, as you just mentioned, coming up on the uh, program today, Aaron Torres, who is a college basketball reporter, uh, uh, college football and basketball reporter. He does uh, some radio on Fox Sports uh, nationally. So we'll get his opinion. He is very outspoken on Twitter and uh, definitely somebody that is worth paying attention to, unlike the ESPN blowhards who seem to be leaning in a direction that's anti-Arizona. But before we go any further and before we, we talk to Aaron, Shane, I mean, when we saw the allegations that Seth Davis of The Athletic brought forward, I believe it was on Sunday, you know, with the with the uh, the level one violations, as you mentioned, I mean, are you surprised by this? Do you think the NCAA is accusing Arizona of more than you expected? No, because I really didn't know what to expect. You know, we only throughout this whole thing it's sort of been an iceberg and that we only see the, the tip of it. You know, we don't know everything that happened behind the scenes. We don't know everything that, that had gone on. So I'm not surprised. Uh, it certainly, it's a matter of perception versus reality. And we'll get into this with Aaron in a little bit, as far as is Arizona, like the worst violator of all these schools. And is that more because of ESPN's report about the under eight and a couple of years ago, or is it because that's actually the truth? And I, I'd like to get into that a little bit because it seems like if you ask national media, like who's the most egregious violator um, throughout this whole, you know, from the time Book Richardson was arrested, uh, they would say Arizona. And I'm not sure if that's the case, but certainly it's not a not a good sign if you look at Oklahoma State, which got a postseason ban and scholarship reductions for just having uh, one level one violation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's so inconsistent the NCAA and always has been. I mean, you just don't know what they're going to do and how they're going to handle things. And I think that, you know, the way ESPN handled uh, everything with Mark Schlebaugh and his reporting, I think the thing that upsets me the most, and, and I probably mentioned this over the last few weeks or, you know, since we've been doing this podcast since August, I just don't think it's fair that Schlebaugh came out and, and threw out these, you know, well, I heard on the wiretaps, but then he never actually did hear anything. And yet ESPN... Uh, to my knowledge, has never issued any retraction or apology. And, and let's be honest, that that uh, Wildcat basketball team two years ago in 1819 uh, was dreadful because, uh, per Arizona standards because of that ESPN reporting. 
And it's just unfair and it's blatant. And I don't want to get into a, a whole thing about the media is unfair and, and, you know, fake news and all that. Cause it's yeah. not fake news, Shane. It's just, it was irresponsible reporting. How about that? I, I agree. And that's the part that bothers me, Eric, is that to this day, we haven't seen a retraction. I guess ESPN technically still stands by the report. And I remember in the days after the report, there were several corrections, like like sort like timeline corrections that were issued in the story. And I remember, I don't have it in front of me, but there was one in particular, like where there was a timeline correction on ESPN.com. And then a day or two later, there was a correction to that correction saying, oh, we got it right. So that the correction's wrong. And so that just tells you everything you need to know right there as far as as, as the credibility. You know, journalists all make mistakes. Yeah. And it, it happens. But to... The lack of, of respect on my end comes from the fact that it seems like that this has all been been proven to be inaccurate. You know, and from people I talked to, you know, uh, Evan Daniels when I was at ABC 15, Evan Daniels, great source, basically said this the, the ESPN story doesn't make sense. Pat Forty uh, essentially came out and said the same thing a couple of years ago. And for ESPN to sort of bury it and to just not discuss it again because there have been requests for comment about it, that's the part that I don't care for. And you look at a young man like DeAndre Ayton who was – what, 18, 19 years old at the time, having to play that next day at Oregon in a very hostile environment with, you know, people, fans, you know, shouting all kinds of stuff at him, you know, like like throwing fake dollar bills or whatever, and having to deal with that. Sean Miller having been suspended for that game. And there's been no re- – I don't look to – I don't want to see anyone be fired by any means. But I but for ESPN to just sort of sweep it under the rug and because and I, I feel like that's really that's what they've done. To me, that's the part that I don't respect. Well, the way I look at it is in college basketball and, and in college football, if you're a, if you're a five star talent, you're being paid. You're getting something. You're getting some kind of benefits. I think I think we're all kidding ourselves if we think that that doesn't happen or has never happened. Now, sure, I, I'm sure there are some there are some places at some point that are doing things the right way. I, I'm not going to accuse everybody for every player, but I would say it's rampant. I really believe but, that. But, but Eric, here I, I don't want to go down the line of well, everyone else does it, so it's okay. That I don't. That I don't want to go down I, because I still expect my program to go about things the right way. Okay. The, my only problem is if you get it wrong, say it. That's my issue with the whole thing. I, I don't want to go down the road of well, you have to pay to play. You have to do this and that. That I don't like. I, I want my program to go about things the right way. And if it if it costs them certain level of player, then so be it. Yeah, and I understand that. I, I, I get it, Shane. I, I just think that that right now when it comes to the NCAA, the whole thing is crooked, and that's why players, they need to I come up with, with a – well, uh, I mean, you know, I think it's – I'm stating the obvious, but I think we need to come up with a pay – a system where, where athletes can be compensated in some realm, um, and I don't know how you make that equal among sports and all that, And but but we'll get to that. I mean, that's, that's a separate discussion. I think the ultimate thing that we want to figure out is what's going to happen to the Wildcats when this is all said and done. What do you see – being the end result of uh, these uh, the the notice of allegations from the NCAA, it's so hard to say. And we'll talk to Aaron about this, just because this new independent council it's it's new. We don't know what to expect from them. We we don't know if they're going to be more lenient. You know, we don't know if Oklahoma State maybe wishes they had gone that route instead, and and maybe as opposed to the NCAA, which seems to act as both uh, you know prosecutor and and judge in these situations, maybe the this this council will look and say, hey, you know. Let's let's not punish Arizona basketball or the future of Arizona basketball and their current players too much for what's happened in the past. They'll get punishment. I can't imagine them not getting a a postseason ban in some 
sort of suspension for Sean Miller and a couple other things. But the idea that, well, if Oklahoma State got one, a one-year suspension for one level one violation, Arizona's going to get a bunch more. Maybe, maybe not, because we don't know what this council is going to do. Well, and I think the other thing is too, and I want to I want to talk about a, a postseason ban because I think you know we know they're going to get scholarship reductions. We know Sean Miller is going to be suspended for a period of time, and we'll we'll ask Aaron Torres about that here uh, more shortly. What he thinks will happen, but when it comes to the postseason ban, I think it's definitely in play. I think it will be up to two years, but at the same time, does it really benefit the NCAA and does it benefit the Pac-12 to po- to prohibit Arizona from going to the postseason? And let me explain why. You know, as one of my friends who I like to go to or who I've been to quite a few uh, Pac-12 tournaments with says, you know, there's a lot of Wildcat fans who go there. I mean, it's it's probably, you know, the 60 percent Arizona fans on on a good season. Yeah. So if you ban them from the postseason and ban them from that tournament, who's going to go? ASU fans don't travel, even if ASU is good. In basketball, it's not like their fans travel. You know that, Chance. This is not football. Yeah. They, they they think they're a football school. I, I don't look at it from the perspective of, oh, well, this is going to hurt the Pac-12 if, if Arizona fans can't attend the Pac-12 tournament, the NCAA tournament. I, I look at it from the perspective of why punish the current players? You know, why punish Kirk Creesa and James Akinjo and uh, and Jordan Brown for something that, that Sean Miller or allegedly or Brooke Richardson and other people did? That's my problem with it is – you punish the, the people who, who can be still be punished. And if, and if you're talking about like future scholarship reductions, that's fine. Th- that doesn't harm a certain individual necessarily right now. But if you suspend Arizona or any team from the postseason, you are reducing the current player's opportunity to come and, and do what they did and come overseas in, the, in a lot of their cases to come do what they, what they want to do, play in the NCAA tournament when they did absolutely nothing wrong. That's my problem with the postseason, Ben. All right. Now, the the one thing is this, if and I, I kind of wonder this whole show cause thing, and I've never quite understood how that works when it comes to uh, you know college sports. But with with Sean Miller, let's say you know he obviously he's been there throughout all of this, and the players as you mentioned have not. Um, you know the new guys, Creesa and uh, and and the uh, uh, you know new European imports who are, who are awesome and Dale and Terry. Oh, say their I'm, names. I'm not there yet. We. I, yeah, I want to hear Jeff Dean pronounce them first before I go there. Tubelis, I believe, is one that that's one you got last week. Stick with stick with Tubelis. I don't want to pronounce his first name again. Daniel Bacho, I know his name. Benedict Matherin. I see, there you go. So I got a few of them. All right. You know, it's not their fault. And I think if Sean Miller is still coaching, I can understand a penalty on him saying, "All right, if if Miller is the coach, then you're then you're not permitted to go to the postseason for a year or what have you." So that's why I think Sean Miller is going to get hammered. Here, I, I think he is going to get suspended for a period of time, whether it's an entire season or the, a Pac-12 season or 10 games. I think Miller is the one who gets the hammer dropped on him. But it certainly doesn't sound like the Arizona uh, Athletic Department has any intention of moving on from him. Yeah, I, I think I, I've been to a certain extent a Sean Miller apologist and that I, I don't think Arizona can necessarily do a lot better than him. So I, I don't think that they should just let him go just for the sake of it because they're going to get punished uh, one way or the other. My, in my mind, if uh, this independent counsel finds that Sean Miller was in the wrong, either because they, they found that he did something or because it was just a lack of oversight or a combination thereof, then I think he should bear the brunt of the punishment and not his current players who did absolutely nothing wrong. Well, let's ask Aaron Torres his thoughts. And uh, he is he's he's I would say he's unbiased. He's honest and really looking forward to hearing what he has to say about the future of this Wildcats basketball program with the NCAA. 
So there's a lot of biased media out there, especially if they work for the four-letter network ESPN, who seemingly hates the University of Arizona basketball team and wants them to fail and wants them to get major sanctions against them. And fortunately, we're bringing on a guy on, on here on Wildcat Country who is not one of those people. He works for Fox Sports Radio, and you can find him very popular on Twitter. Aaron Torres joining us. You can find him at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. We know that you are, you tell it like it is, and you seemingly have, you know, U of A's back. First of all, how screwed is are the Wildcats right now? Well, they're going to fight till the end, so I don't, I don't know how screwed they are. You know, I mean, it's such an unprecedented time, right, because we're going to this independent investigative board, the AIRP or whatever it's called, and I don't think anybody really knows how they're going to operate. And, you know, something I talked about on my own podcast, which we talked about a little bit off air before we started, is, you know, essentially this system has been set up because these schools in the NCAA don't believe that the NCAA can fairly handle the adjudication process in all of this. And so for people who are just kind of wrapping their head around what is this IARP thing, um, it's it's an independent group, you know, lawyers, people outside of the, the college sports realm that are supposed to look at these things impartially and figure things out. The issue is it's a new concept. Um, you know, a bunch of schools are part of this process. Kansas, uh, I think LSU, I know NC State, Memphis, who wasn't even involved in the original FBI stuff. So it's hard to know how screwed they are because I think the, the argument that Arizona fans have been making um, since – you know, September 2017 is how involved was Sean Miller in all of this. And I think the same arguments that they'll be making is the same arguments that Arizona will be making in front of this independent board. And then it's up to them to determine, uh, you know, do the facts align with that? And then more importantly, do they trust those facts? So it's hard for me to say right now. It really is. Uh, All I hope, though, is that this IARP works as it's intended, because this has been an issue. And I talked about on my podcast for, you know, 45 years ago, Jerry Tarkanian was complaining about this. I can't get a fair shake from the NCAA. And I know Jerry Tarkanian wasn't necessarily the, uh, you know, U of A fans aren't necessarily the biggest fans dating back a while ago now. But this is what he was talking about in the 70s and 80s and early 90s is like, why are the people that have have uh, 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 investigated me now determining my my punishment? And so I hope this IARP, whatever it is, the independent board, I just call it the independent board. I hope they do what they say they're going to do, and I hope they give everyone, not just Arizona, everybody a fair shake. So, Aaron, well, first of all, let me thank my co-host for ensuring we're never going to get a guest from ESPN on our show ever. Um, Come on, Shane, Shane, come on. They're crooked over there. Schleibos crooked. I'll let you say that and just go ahead and and proceed with, with... with Aaron here, uh, so I, I along those lines though, Aaron, you know, and I, I did listen to one of your recent podcasts where you talked about the Arizona situation. It's a great listen; people should go check it out. Uh, but it does seem like I think to your point uh, that you made on on your podcast and alluding to what Eric was saying about ESPN, from a public perspective, Arizona it seems like it has been the most egregious violator of NCA rules throughout this process. That's the perception, at least it seems like. You don't seem to think that's a fair assessment necessarily. Why do you think that is? And why do you think the perception has gone that way? Well, the perception is 100%. I I mean, this might ensure that I never work at the four letters either. Um, You know, (laughs) the perception is because of that report that came out that Sean Miller 
uh, was caught on a wiretap paying $100,000 to DeAndre Ayton through Christian Dawkins. And it was proven to be 100% false. That's not my opinion. Christian Dawkins said it in a court of law. And I'll be honest, and I said it on, on the podcast, guys. I was one of those people. I think the tweets are still out there. Sean Miller's done. Sean Miller can't survive this because you think when a report comes out from ESPN of that magnitude that it's been vetted, that legal has looked at it, all of the things that that go into um, putting out a report of that magnitude. And so when I looked at that situation back in whatever it was, January, February 2018, I said, he's done. And I have the tweets out there. And, you know, that was the day before Jay Billis came on College Game Day and said that he's done and all that stuff. Um, and so that is why the perception is still out there. And it's an unfortunate part of, of the media and of everything that goes on in our society right now, not just Arizona basketball, is that when these accusations are made, when things are put out there, everybody sees the initial headline. They never see the follow up, the retraction. Um, to be blunt, I don't know if ESPN ever put out a retraction that said that this story is not true. So you guys, for people who can't see, are shaking your heads no. So that leads me to believe that they never did. And so, listen, I, I deal with college basketball fans all over the country. And, you know, I get asked all the time, how does Sean Miller still have a job? How is this? Arizona, they're the most crooked, blah, 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 this and that. And you're, you guys are right. And, and something that I've maintained since really probably the week after that ESPN report came out where it started to feel like, okay, if you start doing the mental math, some things don't add up. Um, the thing that I've maintained is not that Sean Miller has no role and is 100% innocent. I just don't have facts that prove that. And I do have facts when it comes to Bill Self, who was caught with text messages, texting, texting Adidas reps, talking about individual recruits, talking about, um, you know, you got to make sure that this gets done or that that gets done. And I don't remember the exact quote off the top of my head, but it was all through text message. It was all documented in a court of law. Um, and so to me, that's been my issue with the coverage of this from the beginning. I don't know if Bill Self is part of the old boys club. I don't know if, uh, you know, the four letter network is defending, uh, you know, their reporting, even though it's been proven to be false. I don't know if people just don't want to admit they're wrong, but that's been my frustration with all this is that for some reason, you know, Kansas seems to be Teflon, you know, Bill Self is the Teflon Don over there when he's got uh, strippers and money guns at, at Midnight Madness. It's the funniest thing in the world. You know, when Sean Miller, uh, you know, comes out for a breath of fresh air, people want to throw handcuffs on him. It's unbelievable. It really is. So for those unfamiliar, and you, you went over the independent accountability resolution process, which is quite a mouthful to say, uh, but just to reiterate, it seems like what you, you're saying is up until this point in these situations, the NCAA has acted as the prosecutor and the judge. And this uh, AARP, IARP, is designed to allow an independent judge to oversee uh, these, these allegations. Is that, does that sum it up well enough? Yeah, the analogy that I used is, you know, imagine going to 7-Eleven, um, getting arrested because somebody thinks that you stole a chocolate bar and then you show up for your date, uh, you know, in court and the same cop that arrested you is sitting on the judge's panel and deciding whether you stole that that chocolate bar or not. Whether you did or not, that cop doesn't want to look bad. That cop doesn't want to, um, you know, be proven wrong. And so in theory, that is what this uh, independent panel, the AARP, as you called it there, Shane, uh, I, <laughs> I've called it everything under the sun. So I'm just giving you a hard time. That's what it's supposed to do. And for people who don't know, this kind of came out from this Condoleezza Rice um, 
panel that was put together, you know, over two years ago now, three years ago now, whatever it was. And they made a bunch of recommendations to the NCA about how you can kind of get your hands around this thing. And one of them was this process is that you have to be able to, um, you know, you have to be able to to fairly judge uh, these cases. And oh, by the way, the NCAA and something that nobody talks about kind of proved how important a panel like this is with what happened at Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State um, is the only FBI school that has gone through the process. Um, I don't remember every detail right now, but essentially an assistant coach took the equivalent of about a couple hundred dollars gave it to a player. The player was actually punished. He sat out games and paid the money back, and Oklahoma State gets a one-year postseason ban. Mike Boynton, the Oklahoma State uh, coach, has been on my podcast. We talked about it. And I said to him, I said, what would you say uh, to somebody that says that, you know, um, that 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 you did worse than this and whatever? He said, if I was going to do worse, you know, he's like, if I was going to break the rules – I would have really broken the rules because I wouldn't I wouldn't have made it a couple hundred bucks. I would have made it worth my time. And I'm paraphrasing. But the point is, is that the NCAA kind of showed their hand that they can't fairly judge, that they can't separate fact from fiction, that they can't um, fat, you know, separate major violations from minor ones. And so this is why ever since that Oklahoma State panel uh, decision has come down, everyone has gone to the IARF panel. Aaron, you're a UConn alum, and, and obviously we're, Shane and I said we are not going to talk about the 2011 Elite Eight game uh, okay. in Anaheim. That was uh, awful, and we'll just move on. But congrats to your team for winning a couple of national titles in the last you know decade and a half. But uh, beyond that, they also went through some NCAA issues, obviously with Kevin Ollie, and uh, they I think they were treated unfairly with those. Does that kind of fuel your passion for this subject in that your alma mater got hosed and now you see another school that's probably going to get the hammer laid on them, maybe unnecessarily? It really doesn't. You know, what's actually really funny about that, I'll tell you a funny story. That 2011 team, there was a, another investigation, which doesn't make my school look very good. Um, and there was talk in that 2011 season that UConn would not be eligible for that tournament. Now, obviously, they got their um, punishment in the middle of the season, but it was scholarship reductions, if I remember correctly. It wasn't that. But I'll tell you, ironically, the most egregious thing that happened before UConn won the 2014 title, um, before UConn won the 2014 title with Shabazz Napier, they were banned from the 2013 NCAA tournament mm-hmm. because of um, what's the uh, the the academic? Is it now you got AARP in my head, and I, I, I think it's ARP, APR, 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 yeah. And it was from like six years before. So Shabazz Napier is a sophomore in high school. UConn has too many guys leave the program. They get suspended for the 2013 tournament. So I would always say that, you know, I've been, um, you know, I, I don't think the NCAA is as bad as a lot of people make it out to be, but I've always kind of, you know, tried to look at both sides to a story. And so when you ask me where this passion comes from, this pat, you know what it really comes from, guys, is that it comes from a place that I think everybody in the media um, doesn't do a good enough job of just looking for facts. Like, like, and and it crosses outside of sports. You know, I'll give you guys an example, and maybe it'll piss you guys off. Maybe it'll piss your listeners off. I live in LA County. I was seeing all these crazy reports about the COVID outbreak in LA County in March, April, May, and I start looking into the facts of the case. 
And the facts did not reflect what I was reading in the news at all. You know, yes, California had had the highest caseload in the country, but at the time, and who knows what it is now, relative to population, it was like the 41st most dangerous state in the country. And it, it, and, it, and that's when it, it made me realize it isn't just an Arizona thing. It isn't just a sports thing. We in the media, and I consider myself obviously a part of the media, we have to look at facts and we have to understand the most basic facts about every issue that we're talking about. And so with with where I've stood on Arizona from the beginning, the facts have never lined up with what people are saying about Arizona. And so I do that with everything, right? I'll give you another example. Back to COVID. I think I was one of the first people that was really outspoken about the Big Ten canceling football season. And I said, I never once said we have to play football. It's 100% safe to play football. What I said was, is that we have at the time, 13 campuses were having on, on per, in-person classes. Um, you know, uh, students were on campus. And I forget all the other, but whatever. The point was, I looked at all the facts in that exact moment and I said, I don't know if it's safe to play football. What I do know is that it's absurd to cancel without even attempting it. And so you can take that kind of mindset that I have and apply it to anything. Um, And it's where I come from and it's why I just try to always present my opinion based on the facts. And I just look, you know, I think in the media and especially now you mentioned Twitter, social media, I think everybody, you know, there's too much group think. I think everybody's afraid to think for themselves. And I just think this is one of those cases where if you actually just look at the facts, you know, we'll see. But Sean Miller is not the uh, human being that he's accused of being by so many others based on the facts that we currently have. And by the way, I would say this, and I said on my podcast, Shane, listen, we're going to find out what's in that NOA soon, the notice of allegations. And if the facts change, my opinion on Sean Miller will change, you know, but based on the facts that I have, I just don't think we should make this guy out to be the worst guy in the world, especially relative to the facts that we have on some other people. So the Wildcats, apparently, as per the report, the early reports, the basketball team has been charged with three level one violations. What is what is the penalty, in your opinion, for a level one violation? And what types of penalties can we expect if they're if if these are granted? I mean, we could be talking half a season suspension for Sean Miller. We could be talking a full season suspension for Sean Miller. We could be talking. um you know, uh, NCAA tournament bans. I mean, look, I, I think that the gauntlet was laid down for based on what Oklahoma did to get a one-year postseason ban. Um, I think Arizona is going to have to fight really hard not to get not only a one-year postseason ban, but potentially a multi-year postseason ban. But again, Oklahoma State went through the traditional NCAA process with the NCAA governing body doing their, as Shane said, judge, jury, prosecution, whatever. And we'll see if the IARP feels differently. I mean, if the IARP feels like we can't definitively say that this stuff happened or it didn't happen or that Sean Miller knew, maybe the results are different. I mean, I think he's certainly looking at some sort of suspension. Um, It's hard for me to see a scenario where there isn't necessarily a postseason ban. But again, this is what this panel is here for. It's to separate fact from fiction without bias. And we'll see. And I'm hopeful because, listen. I don't want kids to be punished. I don't want uh, Kirk, Krissa, and Dale and Terry to be punished for what may have happened when they were freshmen and sophomores in high school. And by the way, I'll say this too. I feel the same way about Kansas. 
I don't want their freshmen to be punished for what happened four, five, six years ago either. But I think based on the, 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 the previous precedents that have been set, I think it's hard to see a scenario where unless this IARP thing just really goes out and really truly does their own thing, that Arizona isn't looking at some sort of postseason ban. Is there any benefit in your mind, Aaron, to self-imposing sanctions? Or is that is that a route that Arizona should avoid, especially because we don't know what's going to happen next with this independent council? You know, it's a great question. Um, I do think – I'm trying to remember now all the self-imposed stuff, like what's worked and what hasn't. I remember Louisville one year had a self-imposed ban, but then they still got another ban. And I'll be honest, I'm trying to remember if they were based on the same scandal or a different scandal. I can't keep up with all the scandals over there. Okay. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I think there's enough history at this point where, you know, 10 years ago, right. The Reggie Bush thing was you try to fight the NCA, they're going to hit you harder. And I think there's enough schools, you know, since then that have tried to play nice by the NCA that have gotten hit the other way. So I'm at the point now where, where I don't really believe in the self, the self, um, the self, the self, uh, punishment, Again, it's so unprecedented to know what this IARP is going to do, but I would say at this point, no, I wouldn't be in favor of it. Why is this process taken so long, Aaron? You know, it's been over three years since Book Richardson was arrested. Wildcat fans have had the sense of impending doom lingering overhead for over three years. By the time it's all done, we're all going to be AARP members. <laughs> who, who knows when all this is going to eventually be resolved, right? Why is this such a lengthy process? Well... First, there, this, this, you know, I, I will answer that, Shane, by saying, you know, that is something that I don't blame the NCA for, right? We have to remember that the FBI, while they were conducting their own investigation, told the NCA stand down. I still vividly remember, and I, I crack up when I think about this, um, of the, um, of the, uh, the, the initial press conference where uh, June, whatever his name was, was at the podium. And they're asking him, you know, well, well, what is the NCA had to or, you know, it was something about was the NCA involved in this process? And the guy was like, no, we're the FBI. We're not calling up the NCA about some NCA rules violations. We're the FBI. We're trying to bust criminals. Yeah. And obviously, look, you know, you can we could joke about the fact that these guys aren't criminals. I know Book Richardson personally. He's a great human being. He's not a, a criminal. But I bring all this up to say, like, you know, first of all, the FBI, it took you know, however long, a year, 18 months before the, the NCA could actually access what they had. Um, you know, you have to go through the process of going to campus, of interviewing people. I think the fact that new stuff is constantly coming out, you know, I, I don't know this and maybe you guys do. I'm guessing the NCA, the first time they heard Sean Miller on a wiretap was that documentary that was released in June. You know, you have to remember that there's five, six, seven schools that are all going through this exact same process. And so because of it, um, you know, there's only so many there's only so many bodies in Indianapolis to handle these cases. And so you had Oklahoma State, Kansas, Oklahoma State's already done. Kansas is almost done with the process. Louisville's kind of in the middle. Um, you know, NC State's pretty close to done. And, and then on the other side, you have Arizona. We don't know if U, U, USC, excuse me, has gotten their notice of allegations. We don't know what's going on in Auburn. So I think everybody's at a little bit of a different point in this process. I would add there was a pandemic that basically made everything, you know, inaccessible for 
in excess of three, four, five months. So I understand the frustration from everybody, including non-Arizona fans that want the school to be punished. But I think when you factor in that the FBI basically said, dude, you got to stand down for a year with the fact that there's so many cases with the pandemic involved. I think all this adds up to to the the, the long process that it's taken so far. And oh, by the way, I, I understand the frustration from Arizona fans, but I don't think we're going to get any sort of resolution here, at least for a couple more months, you know? So look into your crystal ball. It's uh, fall of 2022. Who's coaching the University of Arizona and what's their status? AKA, will they be able to go to the NCAA tournament? The fall of 2022. So that would be 22 23 season. Is that what you're at? Correct. Yep. Oh, man. So Kirk Creasa will be a junior that year. Okay. We'll just put that in perspective. Yeah. It's. I've gotten a lot of these questions about Greg Marshall the last like three weeks. I haven't thought about He's got to be toast. What's that? He's he's got to be toast. Marshall has to be. Greg toast. Marshall coaching Arizona, like play a little musical chairs go. here. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I don't think Arizona fans would want that, but. No. You know, I'll say this. Arizona has spent, to your guys' point, you asked me, it's taken three years. They've spent three years fighting for Sean Miller. Why are they going to stop now? And, you know, I would love to ask your guys' opinion if you think it's worth fighting for Sean Miller. Something I talked about on my podcast, Shane, which I know you heard was, I think Arizona's fighting for Sean Miller because they feel the same way that the three of us do, is that the facts don't justify not fighting for him. Um, and so, you know, at this point, you're three years in, you're, you know, millions of dollars legally in. I don't know why you cut bait now and just say you get rid of him. Um, now, I understand there was some frustration after last season, the way things ended. The team wasn't as good as you thought. Maybe you have another really bad year this year, coupled with a postseason ban. Who knows? Um I'll say 65-35 that Sean Miller's still coaching fall of 2022, like you said. Mm. So I guess wow. about two years from now. Because if Arizona spent three years fighting for him, you know, what's another two years? What's another two years, you know? And, and we've we've also seen, and it's funny because it was really funny, actually, guys. I'll tell you a funny story. And it just, it just speaks to how quirky this whole situation has been. When the notice of allegations came out on whatever, but then Sunday Seth Davis broke the report, I had a Louisville friend text me and say, well, as bad as Arizona's getting treated, think about how we're getting treated. We fired our coach. We fired our AD, and we're still the face of all this. So I would say Arizona fans are not the only ones frustrated. I know LSU fans feel the exact same way. LSU fans and Arizona fans are some kindred spirits in all of this with the Dick Vitale stuff and all that. Um, But I bring it up because – you know, I don't even know where I was going necessarily with that with that point, but like, it, I guess what I was going to say was we're three years in, and Rick Pitino is still the only coach that has been fired over all of this. So, like, look, do do, do am I going to sit here and pound my the table and say Sean Miller should keep his job or will keep his job? We'll see what happens, and we'll see what's in that notice of allegations, and if it justifies, frankly, Arizona continuing to fight for him or not. My last question for you, Aaron, uh, is, and I know. Based on, we don't know everything yet, but based on the facts, based on what you know as of now, put yourself in the position of, of a judge and decide what should happen to Arizona. What do you think the punishment should be to fit the crime as, so to speak, as we know right now? You know, I really hate these questions. And it's, it's a great question, Shane. I just don't like <laughs> answering them. I know. Um, really because, one, I, I maybe you guys know, I don't know what's in that notice of allegations. Now we know uh, – 
Book Richardson did take $15,000 to pay Javon Quinterly because it came out of the federal court. Um, we know, you know, there was a situation with Mark Phelps, you know, but but how much of it is tied to Sean Miller? Now, I will say, as part of the Condoleezza Rice stuff, there's the head coach accountability rules, which means that you can't skate scot-free. You can't pull the first Patino, not the second Patino scandal. You can't pull the first one where he had strippers running through the dorms and he claimed, oh, I had no idea. So there's a punishment coming for Sean Miller of some sort. Um, But again, you know, Arizona is clearly going to try to say that Book Richardson was acting completely rogue. Um, Was he, was he not? I do not know. I think we're all adults here. I think it's hard for me to imagine that he was acting completely uh, you know, rogue without Sean Miller having any idea. Now, I would also counter that by saying, you know, a lot of the stuff that's been reported that's re- it's really kind of bothered me is, you know, these stories of, oh, you know, well, Book said this on a wiretap about Sean and this and that and the other thing. You know, how much do we do any of us really know about what our coworkers are doing? especially when rules are being broken, by the way, how much of us, you know, how often do you, are you talking with a buddy over beers or a buddy over a phone call or whatever? Oh man, you won't believe what so-and-so did in the office today. And so, like I said, I have a personal relationship with book. I love him. I think he's a great human being and a great guy, but how much of this, not only did Sean Miller know, but can be proven that Sean Miller knew. And I don't know that Book Richardson and Christian Dawkins, you know, chatting on a wiretap about X, Y, and Z necessarily means that Sean Miller knew. Um, And so I don't know. So I don't know. And and that's why I'm kind of ducking the question, Shane, because I just don't know at this point what the NCAA believes Sean Miller knew, what he should have known, and what he couldn't have possibly known, if that makes sense. All right, Aaron, I'm going to switch for my last topic. I'm going to switch sports real fast. Will the University of Arizona football team win a game this fall? It's really funny. We were talking about this off air. Um, I work with Arnie Spanier, U of A alum. Um, yep. And every year, the first show of the, the, ep, the first show of the year, he always has to put Arizona in the playoff. Uh, it was funny because if you'll think back to last year when the world was normal, uh, Arizona plays at Hawaii in week zero. Um I was actually on my honeymoon in Hawaii, different island though, so I did not attend the game. But I remember texting him during the show because our show was on that it was the first time ever that Arizona was eliminated from the playoff before the, before week one of the season. So um, <laughs> right. I say that to say it can't get worse than being eliminated from the playoff the first week of the se- before the first week of the season. What I would also say is what I tell Arnie every week. I can't remember the last time Arizona was undefeated in the middle of October. So, you know, we'll see where we'll see where the season takes us. Um, I'll be honest, I guys, you know, there's so especially these last few months with NBA bubble. I just, you know, I didn't really do like a deep dive into Pac-12 football because there was no reason to until about two weeks ago. So, yeah. I'm still trying to catch up. I'm optimistic. Uh, you know, I don't know. How many games is the Pac-12 even playing? Seven, eight? I don't know. Is that bad? I don't even know. I can't keep – there's so much sports going on, I can't even keep track. So, what are yeah, we playing? Seven. Eight? Yeah, they're doing – Seven. Yeah, six regular season, and then one of the one the uh, championship weekend where they where they play one another. They're in the the rank of the the, the last in the south plays the last in the north, etc. By the way, that so seven games potential. That was my favorite thing about this uh, Big Ten and uh, 
uh, Pac-12 heel turn was, it's all about player safety, but we're going to add an extra meaningless game to the end of the regular season. So we're going to send Rutgers on the road to play Illinois. It's about safety, but we're going to send one in six Rutgers to play one in five Illinois, but it's about safety. And we're going to send two and four Colorado to play one in five, but it's about safety. So uh, Arizona's going to go undefeated. How do you like that? Is that is that a good one? There we go. Hey, right there. That's that's the first undefeated prediction we have heard on the podcast. Aaron Torres, thank you so much for joining us. It was a lot of fun, and uh, you can find him. You can hear him uh, on the weekends, Fox Sports Radio, with with my old uh, sports announcing idol, Arnie Spanier, and uh, find him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. Hope to have you on again soon, Aaron. Thank you so much. Let's let's come on to, to talk some hoops, man. I'm excited. Um, you know, I don't know what the practice reports have been or if there's practice reports, but I'm excited to see all these freshmen, all these foreign players that are coming in. I mean, they're all very highly decorated overseas. I know how much Coach Miller's committed to uh, recruiting overseas. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the Wildcats this year. I really am. Great to hear from Aaron Torres, his thoughts on on what he thinks the NCAA will do with U of A, and and he just he's he's honest, he's unbiased, Shane, and I think I think he's the type of guy that's that's the voice of reason, and and I hope you Wildcat fans who are listening to this, you know, kind of buy into it like we did, um, and, and just kind of appreciate that the fact that this is a national journalist who really has nothing against Arizona, who's telling it like it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Aaron is saying, "Look, Arizona's innocent and they should get off scot free." He's saying, "Look, take it as a matter of perspective. The fact that they might not be the most egregious violator in this whole thing, and there are plenty of other schools that have been, like Kansas, like you mentioned, uh, that have been just as as guilty of not worse in certain areas. And you have, you know, national personalities who basically make it like Sean Miller's the devil, and all these other guys are aren't nearly on the same level." Well, college basketball is about a month away and really looking forward to that. But, but I'm really excited because I'm a, I'm a Wildcat football diehard and football season starts next week. The first game time against Utah was announced this past Monday. That'll be two o'clock our time on ESPNU. And Shane and I will, uh, will do a live, uh, post game recap for that one. First game of the year. We'll give our thoughts immediately afterwards. So, uh, we will announce, uh, how to find us for that. And hopefully you guys can participate with your questions and your thoughts, just maybe a quick half hour, just, uh, you know, instead of the generic post game show, you'll get, get our opinions and, and hopefully make it interactive. So really looking forward to being a part of that and this abbreviated season. But, uh, Shane, I know you have been able to sit in on some of the uh, press conferences from coaches and players over the last week. What have you found out that's been interesting? Well, the big topic seems to be about the running backs. Uh, the running backs seem to be the bet, the best position of strength for Arizona going into the season, which wasn't necessarily a secret. Uh, you had running backs coach, AJ Stewart, their new running backs coach who replaced uh, DeMarco Murray, uh, Stewart coming from BYU, uh, saying some fantastic things about the running back group that he has. Here's one of the things he said a couple days ago when I asked him about what he thinks about this unit as a whole. I think we're very diverse in our group. We have, you know, a couple big guys. We have some uh, one foot cut guys. We have some, you know, some, uh, guys who can catch the ball out of backfield, run really good routes. We're just really diverse. Um, but the common denominator is just the work ethic you see daily. I mean, there's no drop-off. There's a, there's a standard that has been set here, uh, mainly by Gary Brightwell. And, and I would say Michael Wiley, too. They really took, took charge of the group and made sure that there was a standard as, as far as the way we t- approach each rep. 
And so um, I'm very excited. And uh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm probably the most lucky running back group or coach in the country with just the, the type of guys that I get to come to work with every day and just knowing what you're going to get. You know, we're, we're going to make mistakes. We've made tons of mistakes, but I tell them all the time, that's what, we're, that's what camp is for. You know, if, if we were ready to play the first game, we would just come straight out, first time ever putting a helmet on and go out and play Utah. But we, we've learned great lessons, valuable lessons every day. And uh, I, I think you guys will be uh, happy with the product that we put out there. And I can say that confidently just because of the work that these guys have put in. So it's obvious that even without J.J. Taylor, who went to the NFL and was doing some good things with the Patriots, even though I think he's been uh, he's been inactive the last couple of weeks, but uh, even without Taylor, they have a really deep, diverse group of running backs. So led obviously by Gary Brightwell, but you got guys like Michael Wiley and Nathan Tilford and others who running back is not going to be an issue for the Wildcats this season. And, and that's I, with, I, and that's with Bam Smith opting out too. Right, right, right. There's plenty of depth, and so maybe that's why Bam took the year off. As I mean, obviously, if he's worried about COVID, I can totally understand. But maybe from a strategic standpoint, you, you look at the running back room and think, okay, maybe next year I'll have a chance to to get some more reps. So I, I get it from that perspective. So and Grant, and Grant Gannell as well. I got to ask him about the running backs, and he said it, it's they're a bunch of beasts. They're fantastic. They're a bunch of stars. I think bunch of stars is what what he said. Hmm. The running back group is, is full of stars. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously the quarterback's going to talk up his teammates regardless, but it really does seem like there's a lot of excitement about the running back group. And then Kevin, someone also mentioned the defensive line, uh, which mm. is got a bit of a surprise, yeah. but maybe, a, maybe a good thing. Uh, he mentioned a couple of, uh, guys, including a couple of transfers. They brought in Aaron Blackwell and Roy Lopez, uh, who might make an immediate impact and guys who obviously have to step up for a defense that just, just gutted this season. Yeah, I'm really excited when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. I, I've always been a Brightwell fan. The guy runs hard. Now is number zero. So if you're looking for him on the field, he uh, he was the one who got the number here at uh, at Arizona. And uh, I've always thought the guy has star potential. I think he busted off a 90 plus yard run last year early in the season. Uh, and so I'm excited to watch his development, especially uh, the wide receivers interest me as well. Jamari Joyner really stepped up towards the end of last season. Booby Curry uh, was Grant Canal's, I believe, high school teammate. So interested to see the, uh, you know, the rapport that those two guys have. So I think the offense is definitely going to be interesting. But I, I find Kevin Sumlin's comments, as you mentioned them, Shane, about the defensive line and the defense in general. Um, I think that, you know, that's where I'm certainly interested to see how they perform. You know, we all expect them to be horrible. I mean, the defense to just stink. I think they'll, they'll be better than people think. I'm actually a little bit, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm getting more optimistic as we go along here. And I think anything, if the Wildcats win three games this year out of seven, I think we could say it's a very successful season. If they win two, I would say it's, it's okay. We, there's some progress. If they win one, that's what we expect. And zero, I think big changes, big, big changes need to happen. I think the wild card going into the season is the fact that we're going to jump right into it. We're going to jump right into a, a big Pac-12 game. There's no, there's no preseason in college football, but typically that you get, you know, like you get NAU or some team like that at the beginning of the season where you sort of get to warm up a little bit, get comfortable. Arizona is going to go right into Salt Lake City, and they're going to have to to face a very good Utah team right off the bat, uh, which could be good or bad. You know, maybe Arizona goes in, they have no idea how bad they're supposed to be, and they end up doing pretty well against a Utah team that's going to. Uh, have a lot of new faces this year, especially on offense, a new quarterback, a new running back, uh, some new faces on defense as well. So I'm fascinated to see how that is all going to play out. Maybe you have an Arizona team that doesn't know, hey, we're, we're supposed to be the worst team in the Pac-12 South. And by the way, don't mention to Kevin Sumlin that they're supposed to be last in the Pac-12 that they were picked uh, last by the media because I brought that up with him last weekend and he didn't care for that question. So just an FYI going forward. 
Well, you know, I'm excited to uh, to see how they perform, you know, in a tough road environment right off the bat. I mean, th- th- here, here are a couple advantages to a typical Utah road game as I remember them. I believe the last few at least have been night games, and now you don't have to worry about that. Day game going to be a little bit warmer. So, And I, I haven't looked at the forecast for Salt Lake City uh, for next Saturday just yet, but uh, hopefully there's not, uh, they're not, there's not snow. Uh, and secondly, uh, with no, no fans, because those Utah fans are very passionate, and uh, you know, to not have to worry about that quiet stadium – uh, you know, not going to affect, uh, you know, uh, snap counts and, and, you know, that kind of noise. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely an advantage uh, for Arizona in that regard. There's been some chatter as well with the coronavirus cases surging in Utah that the game could be moved. Uh, I don't think I haven't heard anything more about that the last couple of days. Mm. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, mm. uh, but that's something to keep an eye on. As of now, the game is still on uh, for you at Utah. But it's something worth keeping an eye on. There's always the possibility that uh, the game could be moved, maybe even to Arizona's home stadium. Um, oh, boy, that'd be fun. Doesn't, doesn't seem likely, but something to keep an eye on. Oh, good to, good to know. Well, there you go. You know, with that with that tidbit from Shane, we'll leave it at that. It's been a great show. I really want to appreciate Aaron Torres for his opinions. And uh, next week we'll come back. We'll talk uh, football preview because hopefully there's a game. There's They're not going to go Wisconsin-Nebraska and, uh, and cancel it. So hopefully we have something. And uh, I'm sure Shane and I will talk about why – the Pac-12 scheduling is dumb, just like the Big Tens, where they did not build in a an off week. And so there's no room for error, which makes it scary. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that is exactly what, what so many people, have, including us, have been talking about for, for weeks now, is that you have no margin for error on just a seven-game schedule. So the odds seem very slim that every Pac-12 team is going to be able to play its full schedule. But hopefully we'll get week one off the ground with no issues. For my co-host Shane Dale, I am Eric Cohen, and as always, bear down.